Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio, where we are going to be talking about effective performance strategies. I'm sure all of our listeners can be helped by that information. The show is sponsored by All Metals and Forge Group, a forger of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings. And Lou Weiss is the president of All Metals and Forge Group, who also joins me as a host on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou, good morning. Boy, we're going to have to make the show a 45-minute show. <laughs> the, intros, the intros and extras are getting longer and longer. Yes, I'm stretching them out. I wonder if anyone's ever came up with the percentage, uh, I'm sure they have, the percentage of airtime that is commercializing, where time is being bought and sold. 22 and a half minutes per hour. You know that number. Absolutely. <laughs> I know you 25 years and you've never told me that number? That's on television, 22 and a half minutes per hour. That's unbelievable. Even today, you you know this yeah, is oh, yeah. today. Yeah. That's, a That's why sometimes you're watching a television show and there are eleven commercials, usually at the bottom of the hour. They really because you're halfway through the show. They really pack them in. On. Well, CNN and MSNBC and all of that. I mean, you can go out and do a one mile jog and come back, and they'll be finishing the last commercial during the break. That's right. It's gotten ridiculous. There's more there's more tele, uh, commercials on TV than there's TV. Anyway, I don't want to get I don't want to get onto one of the, my societal issues. Maybe we should do a, maybe we should do a new podcast. You know, I'm not. Uh, what, what's the expression? Uh, I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. We ought to do. Yeah, we're going to do lose. We're going to lose soapbox. <laughs> What's that? Lose soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> and for you really youngsters out there who are millennials, you probably have to Google that to know what that is. Anyways, <laughs> to our guest, Brian Weiss, who is the president of Effective Performance Strategies. And I was just reading through a lot of notes here, uh, Brian, on your company and what you do. And I love the subject. So give our listeners a quick... Uh, elevator pitch on the company and what you folks do. Sure. So thank you first for having me on the show. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. This is a, this is exciting. <clears throat> so effective performance strategies <clears throat> excuse me was <clears throat> was founded about 4 years ago. Actually almost 5 years ago now. Um, prior to that I had been in uh, manufacturing for uh, about 17 almost 18 years and um, a, a wide variety of manufacturing. I, I was in the adhesives business, so we touched everything from packaging to automotive to uh, electronics to you know woodworking for furniture and things like that. And uh, so I've always had a passion for manufacturing, um, but our, our primary focus is on, uh, well, I would say that it was on lean um, until I had a client come to me and, and ask me about a year and a half ago or so, uh, his name was Tony Weiss, a different spelling completely, but uh, but he asked me if we could help him 
with modernizing training within industry. And so our organization is focused on training and um, engaging uh, shop floor personnel and, and that type of thing. And uh, so I'm sure we'll get into that here in the show, but that's, that's primarily what we are, is a, um, a training and consulting company focused on execution and supporting those shop floor employees and driving, uh, driving real improvements. Do you, do you uh, focus on uh, uh, software training programs, or are you talking about hands-on how to teach somebody to run a lathe? Yeah, so we're we're not actually teaching people um, what you know back in the training within industry. We're not teaching them any of the knowledge of work, the uh, the specifics of. Uh, you know, how to run a lathe or how to do a specific job or technical part of it. Um, we're, tra we're training more on um, the three skills that came out of training within the industry, the uh, how to train, so how to engage your employees and, and train them effectively and efficiently. So if you've got new employees coming on board, uh, the second area is engaging those employees and making improvements. And the third is leadership and communication. Um, and uh, so we really focus on uh, helping eliminate waste from processes and, um, and, and organizational, um, you know, how do, how do you train, how do you improve, and how do you lead and communicate? Uh, very, I'm glad I, I cleared that up. Uh, <clears throat> so to what degree does um, the skill gap uh, have to do today? Uh, with, in regards to your business, I would think that would be uh, that would be a serious plus for you. Yeah, it's that's that's a great question, and I think it's it's one of the things that uh, really drew me to um, the training within the industry concepts, the TWI and Rosie the Riveter concepts, and uh, and one of the reasons that I'm so excited to be on your show, I w I went back and listened you. Both of you had a couple of Rosie the Riveters on uh, on previous episodes, and I listened to the one with Betty Reed Soskin, and uh, I think there was an Anna, uh, Anna Hess as well. Anna and Hess, um, yes. exactly, and uh, and you know, understanding when you know when so when my first when when this customer first came to me and asked me to develop or modernize training within industry, I thought, what can I learn from history? But uh, but. In you know, in light of your question, right? I think it's it's as relevant today as it was back in the 1940s. That in the 1940s, they right, they had women coming into the workforce for the first time, and and uh, and so they um, they had to figure out how are we going to get uh, these women trained up. And you know, Anna Hess mentioned you know to do a man's job, which is you know not not something that we would say today, but um, back then that's what they were looking she at. Wouldn't and, you know, how do we do that? Yeah, we wouldn't dare, right? Um, but today we <laughs> today today we have a a, a new um, sort of challenge, which is as Generation Z is coming into the workforce, um, you know, one of the things we're we're finding is they were raised on electronics, right? They were I've got four yeah. children of my own, and they're raised on software and electronics and and all those types of things. Um, they're not as mechanical, right? They're not out there turning wrenches and, you know, working on their right. cars and things like that. So that skill gap, I think it, it draws some real parallels um, to what they were challenged with in the 1940s. And, um, and uh, it's, it's certainly, it, it's been an interesting ride. We're having a lot of fun with it. 
to uh, to your point, and I'm going to throw ourselves a plug. We happen to have a total of six uh, manufacturing podcasts. One of them is called uh, Hazards Hazards with Girls, and it's about women, young women, older women in unusual industries. So that's that's that in itself is a whole topic. I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's it's one of our new new shows. Okay. So, so Ryan, uh, Ryan, what is the plant performance package? Yeah, so what we call the plant performance package, this is really our version of uh, of the modernization of training within industry. So, um, you know, there were things um, I'll say on the sort of cultural piece that we had to change. Uh, some of the original TWI stuff included, you know, a, you know, uh, let's say a Bob would get called into his manager's office and told, you know, you're going to have this woman join your team. And he would say, well, she can't do this job. She's a woman. They're emotional. Like all the, those types of things that they had in the 1940s um, that we clearly had to, ch- you know, change and adapt and say, all right, let's, let's um, look at examples that are, you know, relevant in 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, so, so the plant performance package is really about modernization of those skills. The foundation of TWI was really good stuff. The golden rule type things, the, you know, how do you instruct an employee? How do you engage them in improvements? How do you communicate with them and, uh, and lead? So the plant performance package builds on those three foundations, those three pillars. Um, and we've, one of the things we've done, well, we've, we've sort of created some videos, but we've also 3D printed some fidget spinners. And uh, it's a set of seven gears that uh, are in sort of a star pattern with an internal gear on the outside that holds it all together. And, uh, and it's one of the things that's been kind of fun in the modernization is, you know, when we look at additive manufacturing, 3D printing, we print this whole gear set all in one um, in one. Uh, printing right one uh, package right. and uh, but the the seven gears all work together and they're meant to symbolize those uh, those needs of a supervisor those needs of a leader um, the the knowledge of work knowledge of responsibility the skill in developing people skill in improving skill in leading those are the five gears on the um, sort of inside um, and the very internal the, or the very inside gear is, is the supervisor, right? They should be, um, you know, lubricating everything and making all these gears work together. And, uh, and then the internal gear on the outside is, is holding it all together. Um, and that's safety. And uh, it's something that wasn't talked about as much in the 1940s, but, uh, but safety becomes a really important part of holding everything together. Um, without safety, the whole set falls apart. And, uh, and so with the plant performance package, we've kind of created this modernization. We've tried to incorporate some um, new manufacturing and technology techniques into it um, to, uh, to make it relevant to today's workforce. Ryan, uh, in this little spinner that you've got, do you have a pushback gear? I do, I do not. So that, that might be something we need to integrate in the future. Uh, I know that you know, Lou and I talk about training all the time, and the, yeah. the first thing we run across is push. Oh, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to change this? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. 
in uh, in your approaching uh, uh, in your business model, I don't know for the most part are your are your clients uh, clamoring, reaching out for uh, uh, effective form and certain strategies, or do you have to go out like the rest of us and beat on doors, uh, even if it's digitally, to find customers? Uh, that's part one of the question. Part two of the question is, do you find that when somebody is engaged with you, do they know that they have to make changes and have to make improvements within their operations in order to go forward? Uh, do they know it's a change or die uh, world that we're in? Or do you have to convince them? Yeah, so I, that's a great question, and uh, and I appreciate both parts of that question because it's um, yeah we're we're out there actively promoting um, the the training and trying to help educate people. Um, you, you know, I know, uh, you know, as we as we look at you know companies, there are some companies who think they've got it all figured out and they think they don't need to change, um, but right, right. Uh, but. You know, so th there's there's some of that, and that that includes some of that pushback. Um, but there's other companies. I've got a, a new company in the Chicagoland area. Um, just recently, we just we just launched this program with them last week, and uh, and they're just eating it up. They are just they're having a great time, um, and. Uh, you know, so I've I've got people on both ends of the spectrum. I've been um, in an aluminum mill out in West Virginia, where um, when I first started going out there, there was a lot of resistance from, uh, especially the union employees and and some of the folks uh, that hey, let's you know we don't want to change, we don't need to change, and and who are you that you're going to come in here and and help us you know do something? What do you know about aluminum? And uh, and. But winning people over is is part of my passion. This is part of the fun of um, you know influencing and convincing people, drawing them in is uh, that's that's all part of the fun for me. So um, certainly a challenge, but it's it's part of the enjoyment. Short story, I, but I'm, I must tell you the story. You're, I'm sure you're quite familiar with ISO. International yep. Standards Organization. Okay, when we went and got it 25 years ago, uh, I was getting a fair amount of pushback because it was a structured quality management system, and you mm -hmm. you had to do things the same way every day, no matter what. And uh, I got a lot of pushback, you know, left, right, and center. The day that we we got the certification, but the we couldn't operate until we got it actually in our hand, in the mail. And during all that time, I was saying, oh, it's more work, it's more this, it's more that. One of the salespersons gets a phone call from Appleton, Wisconsin, AC compressor. I will never forget it. It was 25 years ago. One of the salesmen got the call, and they said, you know, here's the inquiry, and you know, we had to uh, come up with a, a price manufactured price uh, for a part, a forged part. And he said, the only problem is, and I'm having a big problem with this, he said, the only problem is that you have to be ISO certified. And I told the salesman that we were, we just got the certificate in the mail this morning. And they got a $50,000 order in 20 wow. years ago. And they, the sales department was completely con convinced that this is good yep. stuff. So, 
Short, short ISO story, but that's the reality is if you can show the people how to make money with it, then they'll buy into it. And the same that's thing absolutely right. goes same yeah. thing for your clients. You show them the money. Absolutely right. So, Ryan, you have an equation, which I think is rather clever, and I wanted to share it with our listeners and have you explain it, which is purpose plus people plus process equals performance. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, that's on a, the front page of our um, of our website. And uh, and as I look at that um, and think about it, uh, and, and I'm I'm honored to be on this uh, you know this uh, uh, talk show with you guys because I know both of you have uh, even more experience than I do. So, but maybe you'll appreciate some of this. And I look back at you know 25 years ago or so when I first got into uh, into manufacturing, um, I, ha I have my degrees in chemistry and finance. I'm a very process-focused, mathematical-type personality. Right? I don't. I, I didn't used to think about emotion very much at all, um, and I used to believe that process equals performance. That was how I was going to solve the world's problems. And when I got into manufacturing and I started looking at the challenges that I found. Um, you know, my, my instinct was to draw me towards process, to draw me towards those technical things that, uh, that, that drove performance. And, uh, and what I learned probably very quickly in, um, in, in starting my first job in manufacturing was that, um, that I may have a good technical solution, but if I didn't get people to buy into it, if I didn't get people engaged in um, and, uh, and supporting it, then it wouldn't do anything, right? The, no matter how clever of an idea we thought we had or I thought I had, um, if I couldn't get people to buy into it, no, nothing was going to happen. And so my equation started to become people plus process equals performance. And, uh, and then over time, I started thinking about people plus process, or really a habit cycle, right? This is how people interact with the process is, is really their habits. And as we all know, um, habits are an incredibly powerful thing. Um, and changing a habit, developing a new habit, uh, takes time, it takes repetition, it takes, but even more, it takes purpose. I think people, um, what I've found is that people have to understand the reason why if they're going to change a habit. And, uh, and this goes for me losing weight or exercising just as much as it does for, you know, somebody in a manufacturing plant looking at their, their changeover times or looking at their, you know, some, uh, some part that they're manufacturing. How are they going to do it differently? So, so that's where I've settled on. I've sort of landed on this equation, and, and I did it backwards through my career, and I'm very open with people about that, that I started with purpose equals process, but then I started seeing people need to be involved, and then, and then you know, they have to understand the purpose if we're really going to drive performance in the right direction. So, um, so I, I learned the hard way, and I, I probably do that a lot, but, uh, um, but that's what we've settled it's the, on. <laughs> it's, the best, it's actually the best way to learn. I, I think way. so. Um, right. Does any of your training involve augmented reality devices? You know what? We're, we're not. Uh, we have not yet been doing that, although virtualization. So I would say with this whole COVID thing that's happened this year, um, the two things we've been investing more and more in are virtualization and, uh, and localization, I say. So um, we're not, I'm not traveling as much, but 
Um, so virtualization and localization are the two things. Um, and, uh, and so we've been doing a lot of virtual training, but, uh, but the augmented reality, virtual reality stuff is uh, I've actually got a friend who, who's doing some of that for um, uh, one of his clients, United Airlines, and he's doing it for some different, uh, um, different organizations. And I'm, I'm, I've been trying to figure out how to incorporate that in the right way into what we do because it's, it's so fascinating and uh, I think there's so much potential there, but we're not doing it yet, but it, it's certainly on the horizon. And how much of what you're doing focuses on things like uh, lean manufacturing and eliminating waste from the process portion of your equation? Yeah. So that's a lot of our, so a lot of our training, um, and there's actually a, a separate training program that we've developed. We, we're actually calling it Waste Watchers. Um, <laughs> so, so thinking about, you know, when, and, and actually I'll go back to the, the COVID example here just for I'm a moment. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> when, um, you know, when, uh, when I looked back, I, I, I actually lost 20 pounds in, the, in, uh, in April. And it was largely due to my wife challenging me and, uh, and supporting me and saying, hey, you know what, you're going to get type 2 diabetes. You're gonna, she was kind of in my ear with the purpose thing. She's like, you're not traveling. And so what are you going to do uh, to develop some new habits and, uh, and be healthier and, and that type of thing? And uh, so the Waste Watchers program was sort of developed out of this concept as I looked at and started thinking about um, the eight forms of lean waste that people uh, have in their processes, and then um, and then going through that and saying, all right, how do we set up a program to coach um, people, to coach um, organizations, and we actually have a software platform we're using to um, to we put challenges out, weekly challenges with our clients um, on a, a training module about let's say motion waste, and then we give them a challenge to go out and find some motion waste in their uh, in their plant, in their facility, and uh, and that's what we come back the next week and we talk about what did you find and and what did you learn and how does that change your perspective? And then we teach them about um, you know defect waste, for example, and give them a new challenge. And so we're trying to hold some accountability and and give them uh, a regular routine around waste, um, rather than just coming in and and doing a training module for a day or three days or five days. Um, really trying to get people into the habits and patterns of looking for and eliminating waste from their processes. Do you do any of this? Um, I, let, me, let me react to what you said. I'm imagining that you do this one manufacturer at a time. I could be wrong. Do you ever do it as kind of a mastermind group session, a Zoom call, where they, all these different clients of yours get together and, and talk about what they found and how they fixed yeah, so so we've actually done a little bit more of that recently. There's a a, uh, um, a packaging association actually that we've been doing workshops for, and uh, and bringing people from you know. And one of the challenges is right. Sometimes the folks on the call may feel that they may be a bit competitive with each other or things like that. Um, but there's also the, the benefit of of learning from each other and um, and sharing what you can in that in that context. So we've done some of that um, where we've done these workshops and had people um, that were challenging them to think in a new way. Uh, but, we've also, but primarily it is with a single client 
um, you know, helping them and, and helping their organization to um, to do these things. So okay. you're, you're, the way I'm, uh, the way the story is laying out, it seems as though that you are more at a level of actually training and or retraining management to think in terms of remanaging process and operations from their level down. But you've got to get them started first, engaged first. Is that, yeah, am I that's, on that's a great here? Yeah, that's a great point, right? I think, um, yeah, one of the challenges is, right, if, if we just give the tools to, um, you know, to the to shop floor or, or uh, shop level employees, but we don't give management some structure or some ability to support them and enable them, um, then we find that that kind of falls flat. But um, it's certainly it's it's our passion to help those um, you know I'll, I'll say sort of the shop floor employees to um, to enjoy their jobs. And I mean, we I had a great mentor of mine years ago who told me. We spend more of our time with our with our coworkers than we do with our families, and I started thinking about that. And more of my waking hours are with coworkers and, and customers than it is with my own family. So he said, "You you might as well enjoy it." And uh, and that left an impact on me. Um, and, and and the reason I tell that story is that um, we. You know, my passion is helping all the employees in the organization to enjoy what they do and to be engaged in, um, and have their ideas being heard. Uh, and, and to do that, we need to have some management and we need to have some, um, and we need to have the employees who are actually doing the work. We need to have all of them involved at, uh, at some point. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. And, and, and for years, I'll give you one of my sayings. For years, I've been saying that my employees are my daytime family. And That's right. <laughs> it, it, it really is true. I mean, you see them, you're in, in, involved with them at many more different levels than you might a wife in most cases. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's true. Uh, I, sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah, block me out. <laughs> so, so, Ryan. Um, <laughs> Trying to be serious, what, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, how do, how do people get a hold of you or what's your website? Let's give them some uh, actionable information they can check you out. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, they can find us at epszone.com. So epszone.com. And, um, you know, a couple of things that they might find on, on the website that they may find interesting, we actually have a learning profile assessment. And, um, and one of my colleagues and, and you know, longtime friends, his, his name is Dr. David Niekamp. He's a, um, he's a psychologist. He's a clinical and industrial psychologist. And, uh, and he challenged me a few years ago with the question, Ryan, how do you learn? And, uh, and I started thinking about it, and my preference tends to be talking and listening and engaging like we are right here. Um, and, but there's other people who learn by reading or by writing or by uh, observing or by doing. And, um, and so we've got this, it's no charge, it's a, a learning profile assessment that people can just take on the website. And, uh, and we found that a lot of our clients really enjoy thinking about 
their preferences for learning, how do they engage, how do their senses um, engage with learning, but then also they use it with, um, with their new employees or with their employees on their team to look at how does my, how does my team learn and uh, the diversity of preference that people have, whether it's reading or writing or doing or listening or talking, um, is, is fascinating. And, uh, and we found that it's very helpful for a lot of people to, um, to move things forward, that you know, sometimes they're at a roadblock and, uh, um, and they find it's helpful to move forward. So, so yes, yeah, so if they come to our website, they can take that assessment, they can share that assessment with their, uh, with their team and do it at no charge. Would you like a link to that assessment on our website right underneath the player for this show when we post it? That would be great. Yeah, we'd be happy to share that, and uh, um, and I think that could be an actionable thing that uh, the people can uh, can go ahead and do. That'd be great. Okay. Well, we'll if you'll send that to us, we will make sure. By the way, with any of our guests, we welcome any additional information that you care to provide. We'll put it on the page that we we create to post the show with the player and the link back to your website and we can link to the learning profile assessment. If there's a white paper you care to share, we'll be glad to post that as well. So Ryan, we appreciate you joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio and uh, we will uh, chat on some of these subjects, uh, but we appreciate you being here. Uh, well, thank, thank you very much. much. Yeah, thank, thank you, gentlemen, for, uh, for sharing as well. <laughs> okay. It was nice meeting you. We'll, we'll talk nice meeting again, you as well. Sure. Okay. Take care. Thank you. All right. All right. And we've been speaking with Ryan Weiss, who is president of, and I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden, dummy me. Uh, <laughs> Effective performance strategies. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, a good conversation, and we will put this uh, show up on our uh, website, Manufacturing Talk Radio. And to find that, you can go to jacketmediaco.com, where you'll find all of our podcasts, currently six, including Manufacturing Talk Radio, the WAM podcast, which is Women in Manufacturing and Business, Hazard Girls, which talks about women in unusual roles in industry, Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman that talks about the economy in manufacturing, Where's Willie, which speaks to uh, William Miller, who travels the country and talks to us from the manufacturing floors of manufacturers, and Full Time with Amy Nicholas, who talks about that work-life balance that's sometimes so difficult to achieve. And as always, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.